is that every single parent here, every single one of us, will be humbled and recognize that without Jesus, without God's word, it's impossible for us to do this job that he has commanded us as parents. It's not my goal to neither embarrass or call out or, or point fingers or all these things or make everyone and anyone feel bad or inadequate, but rather to say to oneself, you know, in these seven verses, there's so much truth and so much that I need to do that I need God, I need Jesus, I need his word, I need every day as a parent to go to Jesus every hour, every time in order to know how to direct, guide, and discipline my children. It is impossible to study all of this or to go through all of this to, without going back to when your parents discipline you. Like, I will go into all this material, you know, any pastor will tell you, you come up here and you prepare material for half an hour or 45 minutes, but it takes hours, hours of reading and looking and searching and so on to put something together. And as I was reading through a whole lot of things and seeing videos and listening to people to, to, to get a, a, a mind frame for, for this, I could not stop thinking about all these things applied when I was a child. You see, I'm the oldest of six. Um, my mom and dad had me when she was 19 and he was 21. They were married on March 20th, 1970, and I was born May 23rd, 1970. Yes, I'm a miracle of nature. <laughs> but anyway, in those days where those kind of things happened, it was automatic. They got married and started a family. So they were pretty young, and, you know, they had me, and then a year and a half later, they had my sister. And for the next five, six years, it was just us two. And all in a sudden, in 1976, came Kathy, October, October 6th. October 7, 1977, came Ronald. A year later, in 1979, in, in, in January, came Kevin. And in, and in 1982, um, came Kenny. I forgot his name. Yeah, Kenny, the youngest one. I was 12, thank you. And there we were six. And it's about that time, when I was the age of 10, that I got saved, a friend of mine took me to church, and I got saved, and I brought my siblings, and, my, and then my mother came, but my father never came to church, never came. In fact, he would make fun of everything that was um, um, religion. But there was that, my mom, um, with six children on her own, having to raise six, four boys and two girls. And... As I look at these things, I say, wow, what a tough job. What a tough job. And not only that, you have to take care of us and work. I remember we used to wake up at 2.30 in the morning to bake, and then she go to work, I go to school, etc. 
But she was the disciplinarian. I remember one time at the age of 16 when I thought I was a man and I didn't have to, you know, listen all the time. Uh, 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 I decided to just stay up a little bit late. Curfew at my house was nine. I decided to get there at 10. After church, we went to a, to a, to a friend's house and we just stayed over. So I thought, you know, I was at a friend's house from church. She was at church. She saw me. All harm it is to get home a little bit late. So I got home at 10, not at 9. And I knock on the door, knock on the door. My mom, my siblings, they're all in the living room. I, we didn't have a big house. So they were right. I could hear them. I'm knocking, I'm knocking, I'm knocking. Nobody opened the door. I kept knocking, I'm knocking. I guess she got tired. And she opened the door and just say this. You're staying out. And close the door. I'm like, what? She's going to make me sleep outside because I got there an hour late and I was in church? Oh, no, that's not happening. So I decided to go to one of my friends' house. You know, there's always going to be a nice mom that's going to allow this little cute kid to stay outside all night. So I stayed at my friend's house. Big mistake. Went back home the next morning about 7 o'clock. My siblings, I remember their faces, looking at me like, you're about to die. <laughs> my mother looked at me and said, where did you sleep last night? Oh, I went then to my friend's. I was not, I didn't finish my sentence when the only thing I was like, ah! I was 16. Okay, next time, you think I will learn my lesson. It happened a second time. I got there late, a few minutes late from church. Stay up with friends, talking and, you know. Same thing, she opened the door. Close it, you're staying out. But I knew not to move. I sat on the porch, where I, and her window was right over the porch, and I sat there. My dog, Princey, came, kept me company, about one in the morning, my mom would say, Ray, and I would answer, yes, mom. She'd go back to sleep. <laughs> Three in the morning, Ray, yes, mom, go back to sleep. She opened the door at six in the morning. I was allowed in. You think I learned my lesson? It happened a third time. <laughs> this time I'm coming from basketball game. Um, practice. I was going home. I was walking home on time. And a friend across the road said to me, Hey Ray, you want a burger? That's it. <laughs> Went over talking to him, looking at the time. Back in those days there were curfews. The government of curfew. I was 16. All this happened when I was 16. Terrible year. <laughs> and as a minor, you couldn't be out in the street after 10 at night. And it was already 10.05. And I was still with my friend. I got to go. As we leave in the burger shop, crossing the street, here comes a police. And he stopped. Say, how old are you? 
said, I'm 16 upon. Never been in a police car in my life. Then my friend who was an adult, and I thought he had some senses, started arguing with the police. And then they say, you too, upon. And I'm sitting there, and we sometimes, when I, I can control it now, but whenever I get excited or nervous, I stutter. So I try to talk to the police, but I'm stuttering. And then this guy is a friend of mine. He starts speaking English. Those are Spanish people. They don't know English. And they know, what do you say? What are you saying? And I'm like, no, 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 not me. It's him. <laughs> took, a, took us to the, uh, to, the, to, the, to the police station, lock him up. I was a minor. They let me in the office. They said, about two hours later, no, it's almost midnight, call your house. So I call my mother. I call home. My mother pick up the phone, and I say, "Ma!" And then she start, "Ray, where are you?" Ray, like, "Ma, ma, ma!" I said, "She said, what happened? Where are you? I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna kill you, ma!" I'm at the police. She said, "What? <laughs> this and this happened. Please come get me." My mother went like this, <laughs> and hung up. And that was my call. I sat there. About four in the morning, here comes me with a big smile. She show up at the police station at four in the morning. I'm his mom. She could not stop laughing. She let me spend the night. I said, Guess what? It never happened again. <laughs> never happened again after that. But yeah, she was the disciplinarian. And I could tell you story after story about what we went through. But you see, one of the things I do remember about my mom, and still carry it today, is that the love that she had for the, for the word of God. Even today, back home, we have notes from messages and pastors and seminars and conference from 1985, 1986. She took notes all over her Bible. She has notebooks, taking notes of all the messages I'm going, you, she, she had a knowledge of the Bible and she taught us that, you know, the word of God is important in one's life. I want to share with you seven verses out of the book of Proverbs. Now we will look at to tonight in the topic of discipline. In Proverbs 13, 24, whoever does not discipline his son hates him, but whoever loves him is diligent to correct him. We see certain things that are important out of this verse. Number one, God equates discipline with loving. Even God himself in Hebrews chapter 12 Verse 6 says that because that he, God, the child that he loves, he disciplines. So discipline is actually a form of loving. Number two, soft love isn't enough. One also needs to apply or, 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 or use tough love sometimes. Sometimes as parents, we think that by showing tough love, we are showing hate, and that's not so. 
Sometimes tough love is what a child needs to really see or love towards them. Discipline a child isn't a one-time thing or one-time time. Discipline not only has to be enforced, but has to be part of the life of the family. It got to be consistent. It got to be intentional. And it got to be sustainable. It's not just a one-time thing. A parent has to be diligent in correcting their children. It's a hands-on approach. We cannot expect just by disciplining a child once that things are going to change so they will take the message. Sometimes it will take several times. And perhaps, you, I, I, and perhaps when I say discipline, the negative thing about using that term sometimes is that automatically we go to corporal punishment. We think that discipline it always got to be a, a spank or hitting or beating. No, not really. And in fact, that part doesn't work if other things are not in place. So don't even go spanking your kid is before some things are in place in our own lives as parents. Child rearing is the primary role of parents. That's our primary role. Some parents are, we are too busy with work and other things and prefer sometimes to just hire somebody else to take care of their children. But once you become a parent, that's your primary job. That's your number one work. Discipline guide a child. A child, if a child doesn't know what he's doing is wrong, it will become a habit. And if it's not corrected, it will ultimately lead to the destruction of the child. So discipline actually saves the child. It gives guidance. It allows them to understand right from wrong and what behavior is acceptable or not. See, really... Love your child. Let me put it this way. It's better for you to the one to impart the discipline than somebody else. It's better for you, for us as parents, to impart that discipline than the government, than the courts. Because as a parent, you have love, Patient, care for that child. But let me tell you, not so the world. The Bible says that um, a parent got to be diligent in correcting him. It means that this is a everyday effort. It's an everyday um, activity and it's something that we cannot leave for chance. In Proverbs 19 verse 18 it says discipline your son 
while there is still hope. But don't set your heart on his destruction. The best time to discipline your child, you know when that is? Now. Not tomorrow, not maybe. Not when they're older. Anybody here that have older kids that perhaps you came to the Lord um, later in life and you have to now deal with, with, with kids that are older, you can testify it's not as easy than when they were two or three or four or five. When you were their hero. The best time to discipline is now. Don't think that there will be a better time. Don't procrastinate and don't ignore it. One of the difficult things that sometimes parents we go through is that we kick the can. What do you call it? What did it say? Kick the can down the road. Oh, he grew up. He will grow, he will grow out of that. It's just a phase. Have you heard that before? It's just a phase is going through. Well, that phase can and will become a habit and will ingrain in the, in, in the child character and then it will be trouble tomorrow or in the future. It is easier to pluck out weeds, I like that, rather than cut down a tree. Is is you can correct a behavior with just, uh, 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 I mean, the soonest you see a corrupt behavior or tendency, one has to check it immediately. We have a saying back in the um, um, Caribbean people, I mean, we have it, Jamaican people has it, and, and Costa Rica, because we're part Jamaican, we had it, I used to hear my mother say it, you know, I oh, 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 you go, honey, you know a chicken, how big a chicken is by what? By his foot. You know a chick, how big a chicken is by his foot? You say, what? What, what, what are you talking about? In other words, when you see a chicken foot, you're going to know how big he is or he's going to be. From their small, the children, the kid, bring out behavior that you already can anticipate the strengths of their character and also their flaws and what, and, and what you're going to need to work on in their life from their small. The sooner little Billy, and is anybody here named Billy? I'm sorry, that's the only name that comes to mind. The sooner little Billy knows that he shouldn't hit mommy or understand that that's not funny, the sooner the better. The sooner little Billy knows he got to pick up his toys and put them back in the box where he played, the better. The sooner little Billy understand that we're in church and you're not supposed to run around and jump on the pews in church, the better. But if we excuse Billy 
when he's small to do all these things and run the house about and everywhere he go. And we just look at Billy and say, oh, he's just a face. He's already 16 and he's still in that face. Remember, children grow into adolescents. Adolescents grow to be young people. Young people grow to be adults. Adults get married. And that's the reason today we have so many married ad- adults that act like children. Like little Billy. Giving a warning is good if it works. However, if tolerance emboldens your child to commit the same mistake, then take action. Then take action. Folks, we need to remember that there will come a time when discipline a child can be very difficult or worse, impossible. There will come a time when that little boy, that little girl, will be an adult and then discipline at that age could be very difficult or sometimes impossible. We had an experience at home with our son David. He's not here, so I'm going to throw him under the bus. No, I'm not going to throw him under the bus. Thank God God bless us with good kids. They're very obedient. And David now is working in the wilds, a Christian camp. He's a counselor. He always wanted to do that. So he, um, he, uh, so he graduated co- college in cybersecurity. And he said, I really always wanted to be a counselor at a camp. Say, well, you better do it now because once you start working, you're not going to have the time. So he applied, and I think Pastor Lardy sent a, recomm- a, a, a letter of recommendation for, for, for him. He had to pay a lot of money for that letter. <laughs> and he got, so he's working as a counselor at the wilds. But years ago, David went to have his, um, his wisdom teeth. To pull out. And I don't know why. I checked it out on YouTube. There's a bunch of people that whenever they go and get that dog, they give them some type of drugs that drive them crazy. They don't know what they're saying. They don't know where they are. They start wondering. And people, and, and, and people see it's fun to, you know, to record them because it's actually sometimes very hilarious. Well, we thought I was saying the same with our son. He came back home. And he wanted to walk. He didn't, he didn't want it to, to, in order to help him. So he was walking all like sideways. Let me help you. No, I can't do it. And he's going in the house. And we're just laughing. We're living here at Martha. And we put him into the house. And he started asking questions. Who are you? Who are you? We thought it was all fun until he was serious. Why am I here? Who are you? Yeah, I'm your father. I'm your mother. I don't know you. And he got scared. Genuinely scared. I was twist my I had twisted my ankle and David just bolted out of the house. He was scared of us because he thought we were adopting him, you know, like aliens. And he ran out of the house. Julia 
run out, hop in the car, and chase him. And there am I, in my, going like this, going behind him, that I couldn't run. She stopped him, she interceded him down, uh, you know, around the block, and came out the car and hold him. And then I went there, and we hold him, brought him back home by force, sat with him in the living room. Then I put my leg on top of him. Juliet, you know, we both hold him, and he was trying to let go. That's when I realized this kid is strong. I got to start negotiating with him. I can't get him mad. <laughs> He's strong now. Until everything wore off and we started saying, my son, your son, your son. No, let me go, let me go, your son. I start, and when he wore off, he like, what happened? Why are you guys on top of me? And then, I'm like, but you know what? That episode, i never forget that episode because it made my heart, our heart, feel and be more compassionate for parents that deal with that every day. Every day their son or daughter go out and do cocaine or heroin or, or alcohol. And they have to see their son or daughter destroy their life before their eyes. And some are powerless. And I'm saying, oh my goodness, how do they do it? At least he had both of us Julia and I working together, holding him down, president, and this was just something temporary. But could you imagine when it's an everyday lifestyle? It comes a time for where discipline is get difficult and sometimes impossible. When sometimes, sadly, the best love one can show is to have your child suffer the consequences of his action. And it's going to hurt him and it's going to hurt you. Let's put on the video, please. The Bible comes in. The Bible gives us Verse after verse are how to apply to different child. To the imperative one that cannot stay quiet or to the one that is a love and apathic about everything. To the one that has pro- problems with maybe lying or telling the truth or to the one that thinks they need all these things and more materialistic. Every child is different. And that's why we need the Bible. That's why we need to apply the principles of the Bible as we parent these different, the different children or type of child that God, that God gives us. Go to this, this verse, Proverbs 27, and this is a key verse. The righteous person lives a life of integrity. Happy is his children who follow him. Proverbs 27. There is no doubt there is no doubt that the example of parents play a vital role in child rearing. You are, we are, the most influential, influential people in the life of our children. Society and culture will make us believe 
that is either their friends or school, they would like to be, or someone else. But the bond and the influence that as parents we have over our children is like none other. And the example of parents is vital in the role. We, a parent can teach something that, is, that he's doing opposite. For example, you can effectively teach your child not to smoke while you puffing in the backyard every night. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. You cannot tell your child not to drink where you have a stash of, not Budweiser, no, they're they're old news, right? Stash down below in the freezer or in the freezer back in the garage. You cannot tell your child to speak right if he hear you cursing. And folks, let me go a little bit further here. One of the worst things as parents we can do is to, after Sunday morning, hop in the car with the family and start bad-mouthing the teacher, the pastor, or people from church in front of your children. It's the worst thing you can do. It's the worst thing you can do. Because they're going to learn that behavior from you, from us. Integrity includes telling the truth. It's as a parent, you promise your child something, be sure to follow through. Then you must be careful, we must be careful what we say to our children. Promises should be kept. Because especially When they're small, they believe you. They believe us. And if you promise something, must keep it. Because doing so, doing so, by upholding my integrity, I will become to my children a person of veracity, credibility, and reliability. A person can rely on, and those are values that children can emulate, and it's important. And let me say this also. As a parent, I am the one responsible for, the, for my child's spiritual well-being. I am the one responsible. It's not the pastor. And it's not the youth pastor. No amens there, I'm sorry. (laughs) But it's the truth. I mean, I appreciate your job. I I, I had two in the teams. I know I had one. Even though she spent more time in the teen group over there at Mosaic. Because we had one now. But he could do all types of activities and and run them out. I know they have the Monday night um, roundup thing. And, and his house is like a playground. You, everything is there is good for you. And I've been there. They have a lot of fun. And good food too. 
Amanda, she's a sweetheart. I'm not going to say the same about Lardy, but she's a sweetheart. But they're not responsible for David and, and Elizabeth or Hannah. I'm the one responsible for their spiritual well-being. If I want them in church, I should be in church. If I want them serving, I should be serving. If I want them growing, I should be growing. If I want them to love the things of God, I should be loving the things of God. Parents set the example. Proverbs 20:11. That's another verse. For tonight, even a child is known by his doings, whether his word be pure and whether it be right. What a child does can be a living prophecy on what he or she will do in the future. As a child, they already have their disposition and tendency. And let me say, and let me say this. You see, children is not like adults. We adults are good actors. Aren't we? I mean, you don't like someone so much, they come up to you, and you're like, hi, how you doing? I'm doing well, okay, how you doing? And you smile and you keep walking. You really don't like them too much, but you've been polite. It's a child doesn't like someone so much, when they come, they show it. Am I right or am I wrong? They show it. Kids are not developed this yet. They're innocent. They're going to, what you see, what you get, they're going to tell you exactly how they feel. And parents, we can take advantage of that in the good and in the bad. To curve those things that are bad, but also take advantage to promote and to emphasize what is good. You see, discipline is not only about what is bad, but more so about what is good. To reemphasize the good and direct them in that and send them in that direction. But you know what? We should never assume as parents, we should never assume as parents that bad behavior will change as they grow up unless it is corrected. So when a child does something that is good, when a child does something that is right, it's important for parents to praise and notice the right actions. This will help them and reinforce in their minds that particular behavior brings positive effects and rewards. Whenever I'm around little children, I'm saying one, two, three-year-olds, I give them commands and say, pick this up, or bring me this, or give me that. If they have something in their hand and they're not supposed to. At first, they think about it. They look at me, they look at what they have, they look at me. You see, they're debating in their head, should I give him what I like? They're having that conversation in their head, that debate. When they come and they raise their hand and they give it to me, has I, I rewarded with a big smile. I said, good job. Yay. Good girl. Good boy. Give me five. Said, you might think he just gave you something. No. 
But that, what, that, what is that saying to that little kid is that good, beha good behavior is rewarded. And he helped them with their confidence for doing what is good. Parent, you have to ask yourself sometimes, how come my child responds different with me when, he, when he's around or she's around other people? I love to walk, I love sometimes to visit school is doing school hours, and I love to see the little ones. My, my wife is a teacher, and I love to see the little ones when they're going to the bathroom. If, if you ever walk around here when the kids go into the bathroom, it is an amazing thing to behold. I mean, they're walking in straight line. One, walk up to the door, open the door, and keep it open, while one by one taking turns, walk into the bathroom and come out. And when you're done, you stand over here and wait. I'm like, this is a miracle. How this happen? Because you see, I happen to know some of those kids. And I know some of these kids when they're at home. And how they behave with their parents. Or in their car. And I'm thinking to myself, is that the same kid that I saw this morning at school? They're a fake Christian school? It's like they turn into somebody else. But when they hear, I wonder why. I wonder why. And you know what? It's not the kid's fault. The parent. The parent. It's not the kid's fault. But if something is not done, both going to pay. Proverbs 22, 6, if you would please. Train a child in the way appropriate for him or in the way he should go, and when he becomes older, he will not depart or turn from it. Train. That first word, train. Train requires that the instructor have some knowledge. That the instructor going to put in the effort and the time. That the instructor is going to equip his trainee with the necessary skills in order to perform. Folks, as parents, one truth we need to realize, we are preparing our children for the future. We are preparing them to face life. We are preparing them to be not just responsible adults, but God willing, and by his grace and mercy, we are preparing them to be the best Christian they can for the glory of God. You're only a child once, and they're only going to be with us once. 
Once they're gone, they're gone. So it's necessary for me to understand that during the time they're with me, they are with me on training ground. Training ground for the future. Not only for work, not only for studies, not only for being a future parent, but also, and more importantly, to be a Christian. How to be a Christian. It is important to understand the following. A child is like quick drying cement. It can only be mold while it's still wet. The longer you wait, what happens? It gets harder. The harder it gets. That's a child. Laying a strong biblical foundation for your child will help him to know which way to go. Knowing what is good. Knowing what is good and what is wrong will help him and put a tremendous, and put him in a, in a position of great advantage over other children that have not been taught properly. But that biblical foundation is imperative. And that's why, parents, we need Jesus. We need to pray diligently, specifically, constantly, intentionally, and directly for our children. As I mentioned before, parenting is the most difficult job that there is. Only can be done right with the help of the Lord Jesus Christ. It can only be done right by the help of his word, by using his word. Because of time, I got two more that perhaps at a later day we, we can share and talk about. But I hope, as I mentioned before, this will challenge us all parents here to look to Jesus more and more. To go to him seriously and to see our children as the first ministry, our most important one he has given us. I mean, things are not going to be all perfect. Things are not all going to be all per- 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 perfect. Maybe with you or with your children. But at least at the end of the day, when our children look at us, they can say, my dad, my mom, they try hard. They try. They weren't perfect, but they try hard. They did their best. They follow God's word. They try hard. And we can do this with his help. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. 
So much that we can go through here. So much wisdom from your word, Lord. And so much that we need as parents. Help us, God, to rely on you to do the job. The job that you have commanded us to do. Help us to rely on you. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity. And help us, Lord, in this such difficult but rewarding, exciting challenge. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.